Spawn on Me is the premier podcast spotlighting people of color. Every week, we talk news, what we've been playing, and tell you who's invited to the cookout. Our show is all about talking about gaming through a prism of blackness because we are the culture. Welcome to Bukaka, y'all. Yo, what up, what up, what up, everybody here in Bracago? This is the Spawn of Me podcast with Khalif Adams. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. I hope you're all doing extremely well today on this Sunday of the 22nd of 2023 up in January. I hope you're doing very, very well. Hope your family's doing well. Hope you're washing your hands, washing your butt, clean all the things because... COVID is still out there and we want you all to be safe. I am here in the studio. It has been a phenomenal week of appearances and conversations and lots of running around and trying to get Spawnies out into the world. You might've seen me on the DLC podcast with Jeff Kanata. We did uh, uh, Kind of Funny with Greg Miller. We also were rocking on IGN this week. And we just finished up and had the debut of the conversation that we had on Gamertag Radio with the fam Danny Pena drop today as well. So we have lots of good stuff out in the world right now about the Spawnies. We even even more stuff coming up uh, early next week. And then the week after that is the time for the show. January 30th uh, at 6 p.m. PST right here on Twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me is where you will see the second year of our show. I think the second year of our show, we are learning a lot. We have more folks who are bringing to the table this year uh, in terms of sponsorships. You know, again, our friends over at Grab Labs making all of our fan voting possible. The fam from Xbox and Twitch. And also now Zynga coming through with their Black Resource Dev Group coming through and also supporting the show as well this year. So we're talking a little bit more about that. But we got all the main pieces of the show together. We're putting everything together and making it dope. And then on the 30th, we get a chance to share that all with you all uh, and, and talk about some of our favorite games or some of your favorite games of 2022 on our award show. Very, very excited about that and just really, really hyped about, uh, you know, finishing up this year's project and, and, and making it super dope. And I'm feeling like very, very good about where we landed with this year's show. I think it's still a, a, a really good mix of uh, culture and music and vibes and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm just really excited for it. It's been a lot of hard work. We have a lot of folks kind of helping out piece to piece together the show and get all those things together and, you know, a lot of conversations to happen there, uh, therein for, for all the goodness that is, that is in those spaces. It is really cool to see all of those things come together and really pop themselves up into uh, a really good spot. So if you are listening to the show, please listen to us on Spotify and subscribe, subscribe on any of the podcast uh, platforms that you have, you have access to follow me on Twitter at Khalif Adams, you know, making sure that we're doing stuff while Twitter is still alive uh, and, and getting some things done over on that side of the fence too. Last week was a lot of running around and a lot of getting stuff done. This week is a little bit of, everything in the world happening all at once. I think it's one of those things where, you know, you're having good conversations about, you know, what you can see, what you can get done. And also like, you know, what are the things that are happening in the gaming space that are, that are changing the way that we're thinking a lot about, you know, not only how we as consumers come to the space, but how the industry is treating a lot of our friends, especially in the, in the journalism space, 
uh, for all of those conversations that are happening. So I think it's just best that we just roll into this week's show and talk about the news of the week with the 411. So on this week's 411, a lot of wild, wild conversations in the industry about the layoff situation that we've seen happen within the past couple of months towards the end of Q4, actually towards the end of Q3 of 2022 and now moving into 2023, we see a lot of conversations now about lots of movement in tech space and how so many companies are laying off huge swaths of people. It has been a really wild space in the gaming conversation because we've seen so many outlets kind of either auto, like go away entirely or we've seen huge cuts within their rosters to bring you and I all the gaming information and news and journalism that we see within the space. So it's been a really trepidatious space for a lot of folks. And I think even earlier this week, we saw that continuing uh, trend happen with all of these folks from different outlets wind up losing their jobs. So we've just seen, and this was announced in a couple of days ago, layoffs from GameSpot, Giant Bomb, and a couple of other outlets after the bigger conglomerate fandom had bought them up a couple of years ago, or I think earlier in the year. We've seen a bunch of folks who are well known in the space uh, who were at these outlets lose their jobs most recently. And I think the thing that comes up from all of that is a couple of different angles that I think are interesting. Um, one, it is extremely sad to see all of those folks no longer be available to be in the conversation right now, at least because they have all lost their jobs. The other layer of that conversation is, you know, where are all these folks going to wind up going? Uh, because we've seen even folks who, when Fanbyte went under, you know, a couple of months ago, they are so a lot of those folks are still looking for positions. And the thing that you have to understand about the gaming industry is that there just aren't a lot of positions like these to go around. We've seen the we've seen that kind of build with the kind of influx of the creator. A space with lots more folks now paying attention to their favorite YouTuber or TikToker as opposed to someone who's been in the gaming space and doing journalism for a long time. We've seen this still really, really um, uh, contentious uh, space be between players and, and and the gaming audience and the gaming press, which has gone hasn't really gone away since you know before GamerGate and still is here. Um, you also have just a another layer of tech spaces doing the thing where they cut hundreds of thousands of people. Over the past year, there's been at least from Google, Amazon, now you see a lot of the gaming spaces lose people. There's been at least 200,000 people who have lost their jobs in the past, let's say, eight months in the tech space. That's a wild, wild thing. That's just a untenable thing to see that all of these spaces that we use for information and we use for entertainment and all those things have this from the top down perspective of saying none of you have worth and the things that you bring to the space because they aren't supposedly hitting our bottom line in a good way that we have to get rid of you and the jobs that you hold. It is a 
really rough and sad space right now to see how gaming journalism is going to continue to thrive in a in an ecosystem like this when i don't know if the two things are 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 real which i think are does the gaming audience feel like it needs those layers to get the information that they need anymore which i think is a whole other conversation to dig into there's the other layer there of saying is gaming journalism profitable in any real way? I think some of the numbers that have come up from, from folks who are on the inside have said, yeah, a lot of these companies are still doing fairly well, but they when they find out and hear that a recession is coming, that the first thing they will do is kind of look at this in a way that is not human forward, but it's very, very numbers forward and saying, well, all of these folks aren't performing enough and these things aren't hitting the numbers that we need, so we have to remove them from the equation, which means that they wind up losing their jobs. That winds up constricting the, the, the pool in which people can uh, find work. And there just aren't a lot of positions like these around anymore. When gaming journalism was at its height was in the days of print magazine. And, you know, early 90s for the most part. And even then, it still wasn't doing as well as what we've seen in the creator spaces that we see now. And I think that is a huge part of that conversation that I think is going to be something moving forward that is going to be very, very difficult for people to kind of really understand and, and, and move around. And the weird thing is like, it's happening more and more often where I don't think I've ever seen this amount of people at these bigger outlets winding up jobless. Like I remember there was, it was like, a big thing when a Jason Schreier or a Jeff Gersman wind up leaving uh, an outlet and moving into a different form of the press, right? It used to be a big thing where some of those bigger names, once they moved, that was like, oh, well, those audiences are going to go along with those folks and then that's going to move traffic in a different way. And that's not even happening in that same way. I mean, I don't know what Jeff Gersman is pulling down in his Patreon now that he's left Giant Bomb, but he made the bet on himself to be able to go do that work. And I'm hoping that it's paying off for him. I think the other layer of all of this is how does this also then remove newer voices from getting into the space where you have also this wild layer of the conversation where to be fair, a lot of folks who talk about the gaming industry who are on the press side, they don't talk about their work in glowing terms, at least from the folks that I follow. And I follow a lot of the main folks that you wind up seeing in a lot of those conversations. And it winds up being this overarching conversation and, and this kind of tone that goes along that's like, every day that I'm in this hellscape, every day that I go to work and everything is terrible, every day when I do this work, no one appreciates it. And a lot of that stuff is is a, a a formation of of an idea or feeling that is translatable to most people who work a job right i think most people who work a job they they don't want to go work i don't think anybody is born and is like i want to work a nine to five job and and bust my ass and and and, and do that kind of thing and i think for me you know i have never really classified myself as a journalist i think i am a commentator on the gaming space i think i'm an advocate in the gaming space i think i'm a a, a media personality in the gaming space which sounds weird to say out loud but it's like i'm not digging for the super hard story i will have an angle or an opinion about a hard story but i'm not the person who's like 
fully always going into the conversation looking to hold feet to the fire. I, I much rather look at the conversation and say, like, is there a thing here to to to, to talk about in a way that's smart and, and, and feel like that's what it kind of leans into? But that also that same energy I just don't have about everything. And it feels like that's a layer of not only the way that a lot of folks are on social media these days, but the way that especially the gaming journalism space has been for a long time. And I think, yes, uh, there's been some fantastic work across the, the past 10 years of saying, here are some companies that are doing terrible things and we want to you know, give you a peek behind the curtain and tell you exactly what those things are. I do think on the other side of that coin, a lot of that energy has been amazingly negative, not even towards the people that that they need to be negative towards which i think is important but has been negative just amongst peers which i think is the part that i feel like is the thing that is the crux of the where does this leave people right there was a a good conversation that popped up about you know where do a lot of folks in the journalism space go after being in these kinds of spaces and no longer having an outlet to work for and a lot of conversations are like, hey, why don't you go freelance? Hey, why don't you go to PR? Hey, why don't you go to um, another layer of the industry? And you'll hear a couple of different things in that mix. One, you'll have some folks who are like, well, that's not the work that I want to do. I want to find a space where journalism is, 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 is found worthy and has worth and I can get paid to do exactly what I want to do. And then there's another layer of that, too, where there are people who do make that transition and they figure out like, oh, this is it's stressful, but it's less stressful in the ways that I usually were used to by having people scream at me all the time and telling me that my work isn't good and, and calling me all kinds of names and death threats and all that kind of stuff. So you have that layer and then you have a, an interesting layer that came up with in a conversation from some PR folks where one person was like, you know, PR is a really good space to be able to potentially go, you know, your, your skills are transferable in that way. And you should definitely go check that out. And somebody, uh, uh, in, in the space, uh, was like, hey, like, there's a conversation here too about like maybe that's not necessarily going to happen for a lot of folks because of the online energy that they espouse outwardly all the time, where it's like there's going to be people who don't want to work with you because you the way you frame things is always in this negative way, and we see how people backbite and we see how people snipe each other online, and that energy just isn't really welcomed in spaces where you have to do a version of this work that isn't about holding feet to the fire. It's about selling a product. It's about, you know, using some of those skills in ways that you don't necessarily have you have you used those in that same way prior. And you'd have to shift a lot of the ways that you work to make that to make that transition happen. Um, it was a fascinating conversation and I kind of understand it from both sides of the fence where it's like there are folks who are some of the best known po people in, in the industry. And I wonder if all of their online antics hasn't hurt their ability or their prospects for finding other work that is dev centric or dev studio centric in that way. I mean, I think most devs who are paying attention and most studios who are paying attention, they understand the, the role that journalism has in the equation and, and appreciate it and understand why people are, are, are in that way. But I think from a very human perspective, there was a lot of pushback against that sentiment. And if you think about it from a very human to human perspective, if 
you have seen people be kind of mean, kind of shitty, have a have a little bit of the lunchroom, you know, you can't sit with us kind of attitude for a while now. And you're like, hey, a lot of these folks may need some work, a lot of this kind of stuff, but you the, the thing you, and you don't know some of these folks personally, right? Some of that energy absolutely plays into who you give a recommendation for. How many people do you share up to be like, oh, this might be a good transition for whomever this person might be. Like, that's a very human way that networking works. And and I think that's a, a part of the equation that I don't think a lot of people, when they got really mad at that, understood. I think that there's a layer of the conversation around whisper networks that goes into this conversation in a real tangible way. And if you don't know what a whisper network is, it's basically like, you know, if you have... Um, a way of communicating behind the scenes about some people who may be problematic, right? You see this happen a lot. You've seen this happen a lot during the Me Too movement where a lot of folks were like, oh, that person over there was is an abuser. Here are the things that he did to me. Let me tell you about these people so that you don't, you know, you don't befriend them. And when they kind of roll up on you, you don't have an understanding of who these people are and the predatory things that they've done. Whisper networks work in multiple different ways and they work in different ways for other people too. Where it's not just about like, oh, let's keep these people safe because of the the, the consistent and, and terrible gross things we see in the industry. But like people talk all the time about like your reputation and how you work and who you are and your vibe. And that's the way people get jobs in this industry. This industry is very much a like, who do you know industry? And I can attest to that for, for, for my job too of like, I think I've kept my nose pretty clean. I think I've tried to put out a really good uh, image of who I am and it's it's who I am. I'm not different than what you see uh, when I do appearances or any of that kind of stuff. Like Khalif is Khalif for the most part in every way that you see me online. But I understand that going into conversations and when I'm pitching myself and looking for work and doing that stuff of like the things I put out on my on my social media feeds are curated in a way that benefits me in the long run. And I think that a lot of folks who are openly antagonistic in the ways that they are across the industry, in in friend groups, out friend groups, uh, you, the way people attack other people for things that are misunderstandings or even just misalignments, people get attacked from the media side and in the media side going outside to other peers. That energy stays in people's minds. So when the people are like, oh, I would love to hire that person. People may second take may, may do a second take on that and say that energy is potentially toxic and potentially disruptive to the teams that I've built or the energy that I want to put into the world or the, the you know the North Star ethos of what our organization is or game company is or PR firm is. And you have to work through and around that. And I don't think a lot of people, I think a lot of people got really mad at first and didn't think about that layer of it. So it's like, again, I want all of those folks to find jobs. I think anybody who was, you know, fired, I feel for you. I've been in that space to get axed eat, like out of nowhere and not have a job and any of that stuff. And again, capitalism plays a big, a big role in all of this in the ways that CEOs make a, a crap ton of money and no, they don't take pay cuts and they don't, they, they do everything they can do to make sure that they are financially healthy while cutting out people who are on some of the lowest rungs of the, the, of, of the pole. 
But I do think that people have to really take some internal audit and say, hey, how am I contributing to the prospects of my future self being in a good position to find work if I am ever laid off? And it's not just about the work, because I think everybody who, who's gotten laid off in, in most of the positions that, that, that we see here are competent, smart, really good at what they do. But when you are thinking about the next layer that you have to hit for your next job, that is the thing that you absolutely have to worry about. You have to think about those things. And if you're not, that's a bad look on you. So it means like, you, you know, actions have consequences and you got to be pretty decent online to, so that people will still want to potentially hire you for some of that stuff. So that's a thought. Um, I was thinking a lot about that over the past um, couple of days because it's hard. Like people are really struggling out here and the, the consistent conversation around like is the gaming industry still solvent enough to continue to, to do this? I think the answer is no because I think you wind up people having people who are then scared to get into the profession. You have a lot of young folks who are not going to necessarily get into the space here. And then you have the conversation about you know, how do you lose, you lose a lot of institutional knowledge when you have all of those folks who have been doing such good work over so many years, no longer have a space in the scene. So lots of really interesting conversations coming out of the layoffs of, of, of last week and this week. Um, and it's, you know, heart goes out to everybody who's in that, who's in that situation right now. Cause that is not a easy thing to go through at all. Uh, next story up is about PlayStation VR. And their lineup for launch. Launch is going to come up pretty soon. I'm, I'm very excited about the PSVR 2. Uh, it, actually, if there's anybody who wants a PSVR 1 uh, Iron Man uh, bundle, I have one. Never opened it. It's still in my closet. If you want one, DM me on Twitter. I'll sell it to you. Because um, I'm not going to use it. And it's not going to get any play in the house. But if somebody wants the old one, I'll totally, get you, I'll totally send it to you. Um... The games that are coming out, I'm actually pretty excited about. And there's one in particular that uh, is going to come out that I'm going to talk about in a second. But I think the thing that I'm really excited about is the fact that, you know, there's been a conversation of like PSVR is not PSVR 2 is not going to have a lot of games. There is going to be a thing where I think a lot of people are going to have to rebuy a bunch of titles that they had already purchased on PS1, which is not great. And I don't like that part. But. Uh, it'll launch on February 22nd, uh, so that's a month from now. There'll be 30 games coming out into the spot. Um, and here's a full list of the games. After the Fall, Altair Breaker, Before Your Eyes, Cities VR, which is really fun, Cosmonious High, Creed Rise to Glory, which I played, which is really good. This game is the one I'm going to talk about next. The, the uh, Dark Pictures Switchback from Supermassive. We're going to talk about that in a second. Demio Desynchronia, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kronos Alternative, okay. Uh, Fantavision 2020X, Gran Turismo 7, that I'm really excited about, and that's going to be a free update uh, for PS5 version to GT7. Uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain, that's their biggest title, I think it's going to be there. Job Sim, Jurassic World, Kayak VR, Kazuna, Last Clockwinder, Spawny's Nominee, uh, The Light Brigade, Moss 1 and 2, Spawny, Spawny Nominee. NFL Pro Era, I'm actually really excited about this because I want to play football in VR because I think it's going to be cool. Uh, no Man's Sky, Pavlov, VR, Pistol Whip, fantastic game, one of my favorites. 
uh, and former uh, Swanee's winner. Uh, puzzling places, Resident Evil Village. I'm really excited to see Lady D. <laughs> really hot, really, really tall. <laughs> uh, Res Infinite, Song of Smoke, Star Wars, Synth Riders, Tale of uh, Tentacular, Tetris Effect, which will be really cool. Thumper, Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners 2, Walking Simulator. I'm sorry, Vacation Simulator, What the Bat, and Zenith. Uh, are the whole list of games i'm excited again for no man's sky i don't care what you say arctic you can say you're not excited for no man's sky but all of those things to say i'm really excited about that but the game that was on that list that has me the most excited right now besides horizon gt7 is that game switchback so switchback is doing something very very interesting with their uh with their um title and I wanted to show this to you all because I think this is really cool. So it's a part of the Dark Pictures um, uh, of games, of a suite of games. What they're doing in PSVR 2 with this particular game is if you know about VR on this headset is it has eye tracking. So what they've done was they've used in this horror game a function where these mannequins will only move if you blink your eyes. I'll say that again. They will only move when you blink your eyes. That makes this whole thing amazingly scary. I think that's going to be the most terrifying thing on the planet. That is going to be scary as hell. And I am in love with it already. I am so excited because, again, one of my favorite moments in games in the past couple of years was, you know, uh, it was in, what game was it? Was it in the most recent? Oh, it was in the Resident Evil DLC that came out uh, most recently. And they had a segment in that game that played off of this too so basically it was red light green light with a monster and anytime you turned around it would walk and it would walk fast and it would walk creepily and it would stare at you and it would be like hi like this it would like do this thing with its neck and it was nuts the way it would chase you and it would be like you had to play that whole segment really, really fast or like duck behind things or get behind stuff and make sure you weren't going to be uh, spotted because if the person like tagged you, then you were dead. It was one of my favorite moments in that game playing off of um, the old 360 uh, game that was the, why can't I think of it? Oh, but it was a like a, a, um, a, a mannequin section in that game. Um, that was to this day one of the scariest things in a horror game that I've ever seen. I can't remember the name of this game right now because it was old on the 360, but it was um, one of my favorite things. I got to find the name of that game. Uh, Mannequin 360. Um, Condemned. It was in Condemned. So in Condemned was the part where it had that mummy, uh, not mummy, the the uh, mannequin moment. And that thing, to this day, makes me hate mannequins. To this day, it makes me scared as hell about mannequins. <laughs> it is so well done and so good. It is like, I, I don't know. They just nailed that part. And now they're going to do this in VR and you can't blink? 
what yo that thing is going to be fire i don't care what anybody says so i'm again i think that when we think about what the vr space is trying to do how they're trying to come back and trying to figure out good ways to be um you know relevant to a lot of different folks those are things you need to do to kind of show off the gear show off the hardware in a real way i want more folks to use the haptic feedback stuff that's going to be in a playstation vr 2 the eye tracking stuff in in playstation vr 2 is going to be one of i think the i think in the way that the dual sense changed the way we think about um haptics in a controller there could be some really interesting things that translate from games that are made for the PlayStation VR too. Of course, some of you know some of the higher end headsets are, are also pulling in eye tracking too. But for the PlayStation fan and for the folks who are in that ecosystem, I think that is an experience that changes why you would buy a PlayStation VR two if you were on the fence. Right and seeing if other companies kind of get on 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 track with that stuff. Imagine eye tracking on the NFL game, right, where you're looking at a receiver and you're kind of shaking that receiver off and be like, "No, I'm not throwing it to you." But then you throw it to another person, and the way that you track with your eyes helps with the throw. There's a lot of fun things you could do with eye tracking in that game or in that system, and it'd be extremely cool. Um, last story of the week. Um, something that just popped up today on my Twitter feed uh, was a conversation about leaking information. Um, Tom Henderson of let me let me triple check and make sure I'm getting this right. Tom Henderson of Insider Gaming um, wrote this tweet and put it out today, which I thought was wild to say out loud in in any form or fashion he says the only time i will send a video game related nda is if i'm going to be getting some form of exclusive content if it's an nda where i need to follow an embargo to, to upload the exact same content as a hundred other outlets and creators what's the point i'd rather just leak it so i'm not going to spend a lot of time on this part of the conversation because i think there's a there's some real issues with this um and, and okay, let's break it down into a couple of different pieces. One, you shouldn't be breaking NDAs. NDAs, again, are there for a reason. And, you know, for as much as people like to beef about the component of video game marketing and all of the things that go along with that and saying, hey, you shouldn't do that because it literally ruins the surprise for all of you as fans and if you're in the marketing layer of the video game making business all the work that you've put into months and months of planning and figuring out when's the best time to do a drop when's the best time to think about when you're going to talk about your game when's the best time to do it in comparison to other games what's the best way to make sure that fans are really excited about your game and you give them that surprise whether it be something at a game awards as a as a new trailer or something that you drop and you you know you do the the arg version of stuff and, and do something fun and interesting there all of that work go that goes into it and money and resources that go into those buckets that could potentially go into other buckets all goes down the drain when you break an NDA and you leak a thing. So it, it, it messes up everything for everyone in that conversation. 
especially the folks who are trying to make fun things for you to enjoy or experiences for you to enjoy. The other layer of that that really hits home to me is I've been doing this work for 13 years or at least 12 years. I've been under hundreds of NDAs over that time. I am proudly can say I've never broken an NDA. And the reason why I don't break any NDAs is because of the first reason that we just talked about, but also because as a creator of color, we don't get the same opportunities that everybody else will get. That is just honest. We don't get sometimes the, 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 the codes from a big company. We don't get invited to some of the events that the other creators get invited to. We also, it takes a lot, a lot more to get visibility on some of our work because people don't look at our work as being as equal as some other folks in the space. So when you think about what happens when you break an, an embargo in an NDA like that is, you automatically get put on a list where you don't get anything else from those people anymore. And it winds up changing the conversation when those belts get tightened about who's going to be on a list and who's not. That number that could have been 200 people then gets dropped down to 50. And then those 50 are only going to be the biggest names in the room. And a lot of times the biggest names in the rooms don't have us on those lists for multiple reasons that we've talked about over the past 10 years of Swan on Me. So for Tom to just randomly just be like, yo, I'm going to do it for shits and giggles so I can get out there first is really shitty because it does because i think there's a part of it too like right there's a there's a a a a fellowship amongst content creators if you're really in the know and you really are like trying to do the right thing like you will tell people in your own circles to be like hey like yo there's an embargo remember like i know we were at the same event don't break embargo because that looks bad against all of us right I think there's an unsaid rule that happens for black and brown creators and, and creators of color that's like, oh, if you ever break a thing like that, you are absolutely not getting access to any of these things ever again. And then you shot your shot for that extra day early content, but you wind up shooting yourself in the foot and a lot of other creators around you who, who are not maybe as big as you or who are new to the space or folks who don't have those relationships built up that like I've built up over the past 10 years. Like it takes a lot to build those relationships. And for you to just be like, because I don't want to wait and be in the ranks with everybody else that has to work through SEO and work through trying to figure out how to build their channels and all this kind of stuff. So I can get that first, you know, first hit early just really tells you that like there are people who don't respect the game in that way. And the people who do respect the game still don't get the, the love that they deserve and the, and the recognition that they deserve for, for being, you know, true to an embargo or any of that kind of stuff. And it kind of sucks because you wind up having all of this energy that winds up going into a space that just doesn't feel good for anybody in it. And it winds up being crappy because you played by the rules and you got your stuff buried even more because those other people outrank you in a lot of different ways. So it winds up being really crappy for a lot of folks in that way uh, because you don't have the ability to, you know, get those things done in that way. And you wind up 
having to to fight all of these other people who were trying to do a lot of this work in that way on the up and up and trying to do it in that way um, for years. And it winds up being something that just sucks for everybody involved. It just really is dirty um, and and just sucks for everybody who's involved because what are you going to do? You can't fight it. You can't be like, yo, that person is whack in X, Y, and Z. But like those people are whack who do that work because they're just not helping. Um, Royal Martin says, also, I will add, not breaking embargo for Dragon Age Keep back in the day literally led to my first industry drop. Yeah, like people appreciate the fact that you have information and you didn't share it. Like it, it, sh- it is a weird thing of like, can I trust you enough to be able to give you this information? Like I have stuff that I've known about for years that I never said because you can't. One, you don't want to get sued because that's not worth it. And two, it's never it's never worth the fight that you have to go through once you've done it. You've lost industry cred, which is hard to come by. You've lost the ability to get more people to give you more stuff, which is hard to come by. And the, in, the internet is going to do what the internet does anyway, where it's going to be like, yo... You got that stuff, but then you're, all the stuff that you got connected to it, you're going to get a, a cease and desist letter anyway, and they're going to ask you to take it down. So it doesn't make sense to do it in the first place. You just wind up losing on any of the goodness that you probably could have gotten. So this was a wild take to come out of left field on a Sunday afternoon to be like, yo, I leak stuff and I'm proud. I'm like, yo, you are wild. You just put yourself on front street, and now anybody who's looking to get coverage for for your outlet and you trying to get coverage for your outlet you've thrown all that in the toilet instantly because everybody saw this and people were talking about it and all the people all the right people were seeing this and talking about it the people who are like entrenched in the pr layer and those folks like i said earlier talk to each other all the time and those folks have trusted relationships with developers and, and publishers in a way that most folks in the press don't have so you just shot yourself directly in the ass with that one. That was the dumbest move I've seen happen in the gaming space in a while. I was like, okay, interesting that that was the route that you decided to take. And that was what you decided to do. Okay. I rocks with it. Do what you got to do, BB. That is pretty stupid. Um, anyway, we're going to take a really quick, small break. Um, we're going to get some water, all those businesses, um, and, uh, we'll be right back after this. Are you ready to join the podcasting revolution with podcasting? What you should know, you'll have all the tools and knowledge you need to create a successful show from the latest trends and secret tools to building a strong team and protecting yourself with contracts. This book covers it all. Plus you'll learn how to stand out and continue to grow your audience. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your podcasting skills to the next level. Get your copy of Podcasting What You Should Know today. Yo, we are back on the Spawn of Me podcast. If you missed the beginning part of our show, you missed us talking about the rampant layoffs happening in the industry. We also talked a little bit about PlayStation, I'm sorry, PlayStation VR 2's uh, newest uh, and greatest uh, uh, piece of headwear coming to the market and the games are going to be coming out for that very, very soon. And we also talked about uh, this rampant leaking conversation that's happened about people leaking NDA information and embargoes and how that hurts a lot of creators 
of color. But before we get up out of here, I am playing a couple of games that I can't talk about yet. So we don't really have a lot of stuff to dig into for what we've been playing. I'm still trying to get into the hyenas, um, the hyenas alpha, which is happening this weekend. Uh, that game, I got a chance to see at TwitchCon, and I'm really excited and interested in that. But I'm also playing two games that are going to be coming out very, very soon on various platforms. That I think you're really excited about, and. I have to say, for one of those games, I'll, I'll leave the hint of there being something very, very Spawn on Me, Khalif, Paris related that I found in an upcoming game that you definitely want to see and you definitely want to play. And it's definitely something that you played before that is coming out again. And that's the thing that I'm going to tell you. That's not me leaking nothing. That's not me leaking. I didn't leak nothing. I didn't I didn't I didn't ruin an embargo. I didn't do nothing. But there's a game that's coming up that has something in it. And I want you to find it wherever you find it. I'm itching to freaking post the picture in the video that I share that I that I that I downloaded the other night while playing. But I, I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to have people just find it and 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 do their thing. Um before we get up out of here, uh, I definitely do want you all to vibe out and, and, and check out the upcoming Spawnies that's going to be rolling up this year. Again, January 30th on 6 p.m. PST. We'll be doing our next version of the Spawnies. It'll be me and Rihanna Manuel Pena hanging out, doing our thing and making it dope for all of you at home. Uh, very excited about the show. We're sponsored by Twitch and Xbox. Very hyped to, to bring it all through for everybody at home. And just like so excited and hyped about all the pieces of the show coming together and, and being really fun. Um, it's been a very busy uh, couple of months to get all the stuff done. And, it, and it's up there and, and trying to make all that stuff happen for everybody at home is going to be really cool. I really do hope that everybody comes through. And, and, and represents and shows it up and, and, and does that stuff. Fatal the Baptist, I did add it to the schedule. It should be there now. I did that last night uh, before getting some, some games in and stuff. So I would say, again, please, please, please share the show. Uh, if you can, please, please do what you can to to rep the show on on Spotify and on podcast platforms all over the globe. And again, like if you can find some time to follow me on Twitter and, and do some of that work as well, that would be really fun and cool to be able to say that we got all that done as well. Follow at Spawn on Me, follow at, follow at Khalif Adams on Twitter. And uh, I'm just really excited for what this show uh, is going to wind up being. So make sure you're paying attention. And also, it is the best time to subscribe to us on Twitch. That way you make sure you don't get any ads during the show. That way you make sure that you're connected to us and, and helping us out, especially this month, because we're going to be dropping the show live on the 30th of January, 6 p.m. PST. Um, make sure you're checking out YouTube and stuff this week. Uh, one of those games we'll be talking about and having a video go up over there. Uh, and word, check it out. Make sure you, you give it some love and, and spread that love around a little bit for all the folks here in Bracago. We'll be back with another episode next week. And then Spawnies on Monday on the 30th. It's going to be a real, real dope show. It's going to be a very, very fun show. Very excited for everything at home. Until then, we're going to get up out of here. 
wash your hands wash your butt make sure you're giving people some love out in them streets go check out more of the content go give us some love there as well and we'll see you soon we get up out of here much love and peace deuces